This is the She Do That podcast. She Do That is a London-based animation community aimed at developing female-identifying freelancers' skills and connecting them with people in the industry to strengthen their employability and hopefully go some way to knowing the gender gap we see in animation. Each episode will consist of a conversation between two women from the UK animation industry, one junior and one senior chatting about their specialism and throwing some light on different career paths within the industry. This episode is a conversation between a junior and senior studio owner. They discuss similar beginnings, style, pitching, and so many more things. There are also a few studios and creatives mentioned, which will pop into the show notes. Now to let our speakers introduce themselves. I'm Margos Kanatovic. I'm a studio owner and co-founder of Moth Studio. Uh, which started as a collective uh, when I was still a student back at the Royal College of Art. Um, I studied um, in Kingston University, doing a BA in illustration animation, and then a master's at the RCA in animation direction. Um, And before I set up the studio properly with Daniel Chester and David Prosser, I was freelancing in the industry for four years. My name is Catherine Steinbacher. I am a animation director and co-founder of Studio Desk. So I'm one half of Studio Desk, and the other one, the other half is um, my friend and creative partner, Emily Down. Um, similar to Margot, I also went to Kingston University to study illustration animation. I think they renamed it now. It's it's called um, Kingston School of Art. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, then I also went um, to do my MA um, in animation at the Royal College of Art and we have founded um, Studio Desk a year and a half ago, I think now, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I've been working at Studio Desk since then. I mean, it's, it's interesting when we, I, you know, when I started looking at your work because well, first of all, I saw your drawings and I was like, she looks like she went to Kingston. <laughs> and then I was like, wow, we have the same past. Um, but yeah, so it'd be nice to talk about like maybe our experience at university. But then obviously when you studied at the RCA, either they had made, they had split the course into different areas mm-hmm. as well. And like we didn't, we didn't have a specific direction. We just, it was just one course. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. I think we were the first year um, when they split uh, the course into um, animated documentaries, narrative and experimental. But uh, that being said, I mean, both Emily and I, we did um, animated documentaries because we're both really interested in, you know, the real world and human experiences and um, animated documentaries in general. But you had to decide what you wanted to do first, but there wasn't really a clear mm. clear line, if that makes sense. So yeah. people did like all sorts of things. Um, I mean, my graduation film definitely isn't a documentary. And it sort of is. <laughs> it's so, it sort yeah. of is, yeah. I mean, you could argue it is. Yeah. Um, it's obviously very fictionalized as well, but yeah, it's definitely based on, a, on something 
on, on a real story. But yeah, it's, I think, I don't know why they did that. I mean, we had a couple of different um, workshops um, that was more focused on documentaries. Mm. Um, so there were different workshops depending um, whether you did a documentary or experimental, but then in second year, everybody was working on their film okay. and it didn't really matter. I did. I did see the you know when I heard that they were going to split the course, yeah. it did make me think. Ah, oh, does it need to? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Does it need to be such a clear kind of yeah. separation between things? Because it overlaps anyway, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think now everybody does everything anyway, so I don't know why they're doing that. To be honest, <laughs> but I mean the workshops were quite good. The um, you know, we did like interview workshops or how to make a documentary. Um, um, we had workshops with journalists and I said that was quite interesting. That's really cool. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense actually. It is, it is a process that requires, I suppose, a different approach. So that mm-hmm. makes more sense. Whereas we did a bit of everything, I suppose. We never had a, a workshop about how to interview people it was more mm. but yeah we did narrative workshops and we did sound workshops and yeah it was you right it was a bit mm. of everything so it, you could say that maybe if you know exactly what you're doing you could maximize your time by doing something that is yeah but it was definitely very much focused on on directing your your own film um, I guess that's that's what the RCA is all about isn't it like yes being a director because I think one question was like why did you decide when did you decide? Did you decide that you wanted to be a director? Do you know that? Um, Can you remember that time or that point <laughs> in your career when you said, "Yes, I want to be a director." <laughs> I remember being like eleven or twelve and watching MTV a lot, mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a music video director because wow. you would. They had this thing on MTV that it was like the making of. Mm-hmm. So they had the making of the Britney Spears music videos mm-hmm. or like whatever. And I loved it. I loved seeing the director, you know, involving all the team and mm. the costume and whatever. So I thought I wanted to be a music video director. <laughs> uh, and then, um, I don't know, I suppose, I don't know, I suppose because I went to Kingston, they always, they, they, you know, they, they always pushed you to make your own film anyway. It wasn't really, it's a course where you would be a director anyway. Yeah. So I never really thought that there was an alternative I just assumed mm. you just kind of have to be a director I know that you know within the course then you realize that there's certain personalities that are mm. more directorial than others yeah. and I suppose that came out a lot for me in freelancing like when I was freelancing and I was getting frustrated sometimes working on projects where I thought oh if I directed this mm-hmm. I would have found a better solution or if I was producing this, I would have spoken to that person yeah. better. Or, you yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> That's quite That's funny. It. That's quite good that you knew really early on that this was something you'd be interested in. Because for me, that happened way, way later. And I don't think it was ever a very conscious decision that I wanted to be a director. I think it yeah. was something that happened really naturally. Um, 
as I mean, the same as Kingston. I mean, I, I didn't really know about the roles. Okay, you, you can be a director or you can be, you know, a designer or an animator or a producer, you know, all the different roles within animation. I mean, that's something I, I didn't really know that that existed until I think second year when, I mean, you also, you know, Martina, yeah, teach, um, Martina was teaching as well. And she was <laughs> like, oh, now you have to decide who's going to be the producer and yes. you who's going to be the director. And it was our first group project um, where I actually worked with Emily for the first time. It was, oh. I don't know if you have done this project as well. It was for Penguin Books. No, we didn't have the Penguin Book yeah. one back then. Um, I think that came into... Oh, I'm going to go down. <laughs> I think that came into kind of, I don't know how to say it. They introduced that maybe two years after I left, mm -hmm. something like that. We used to do stuff for the London Sinfonietta, which was like, um, okay. it was an orchestra. Yeah, we did one for the World Opera House. There you go. Yeah. But the Penguin Book one? Yeah, that was there? really good. I mean, that was a live brief and... Yeah, as I said, Martina said, you need to decide now. Mm. And I was the producer. I mean, that's probably... I was probably the worst <laughs> producer that... <laughs> I'm probably the worst <laughs> producer anyway, because that's something I don't really enjoy and I'm not really good at. You know, I'm not very good at organizing and, and managing a team and telling them you have to finish this now. Okay. Um, so, so that was quite, I would say, like an important project for us because that's when we worked together for the first time and we both really enjoyed it and I we both naturally ended up somehow you know when it is sometimes when you work with group we ended up um directing yeah and we really enjoyed that both of us and I think that's when I knew that I wanted to make all the creative decisions okay. rather than um just animating um because I think there are people out there who are definitely better animators than I am. I think that's definitely, yeah, definitely not something I'm, I mean, I like animating as well and I sometimes miss it because I don't do it that much anymore. Um, but I think that's when, when we both decided individually though that we wanted to go to the RCA because it's mm -hmm. very much focused on directing and they teach you how to direct a film and how to direct other people. Exactly. So I think, yeah, that's that was the point when, when I decided that I wanted to be a director. <laughs> were, yeah. you, um, were you and Emily friends first and that's why you decided to work together on the project or did you become friends through working together? Um, we weren't friends at that time. We didn't really know each other that well, to be honest, because it's quite a big course. We were, I think, like 70 people. Wow. And we ended up being in the same group, and that's how we met. And that's when we became friends. So we worked really well together. I mean, that was like a project we talk about quite often because it was so smooth and so nice. And um, yeah, everybody else just worked. We all clicked. It just worked. You know, sometimes that is really, you have to find the right people to collaborate because sometimes you just, you know, you're really good friends, but you can't work together or Absolutely. vice versa. So, um, yeah, we became friends because we were working together and then we just continued working together. <laughs> and that's, I think that's the best recipe, to be honest, because, I th I've, you know, I've, I've seen and I've heard of other 
collectives or teams where the opposite happened you know mm-hmm. they were friends and then they thought let's do something together and then they ended up realizing that when it comes to collaboration mm-hmm. their personalities maybe didn't work yeah. super well maybe mm-hmm. because everyone wanted to direct and you know they couldn't mm-hmm. find how to fit uh, around each other mm-hmm. and and maybe the collaborations didn't take off yeah. so it's interesting when um yeah when people assume that friendship will lead to mm-hmm. great collaboration but actually it's i think it's very different to that it's more like it's more like yeah personalities fitting together um yeah that's so true yeah mm. <laughs> it's the same with you know when you decide to move in with with your friend yes and then you're like oh god no i can't live with you i really love you and you're like a really good friend but it just doesn't work i think it's the same same thing how did you how did you decide to work together because you with dan and dave um so we were we were actually the we were the youngest in the course which brought us together i think in the first place like we were the only ones almost the only ones that had not worked before like we hadn't freelanced we went straight from a VA to an MA we were 20 how old were we when we got to the RCA like 21 mm-hmm. whereas the other people in the course maybe a lot of them were around 26 27 mm-hmm. so they had freelanced and then they came back to do an MA to make their own films mm-hmm. so uh, and also we were predominantly hand-drawn the three of us and we had a certain sensitivity in our work that was quite similar uh we were friends we were spending time you know outside the rca going to concerts and gigs and everything um but what brought us together was again yeah group projects so dan and dave did one at the end of the first year with that they really liked collaborating with and then i think i worked with dan on a project like a storyboarding project and I realized I like I I wrote a story and then he storyboarded it mm-hmm. and his vision of my story was exactly what I had in mind and I thought oh god this guy reads me completely you know <laughs> he can see through my eyes uh, and uh, yeah I think there was yeah there was there was mm-hmm. a good there was a good chemistry and we thought and yeah we thought at the end of the second year let's try I don't remember who suggested it of the three of us, but we thought it'd be cool to make a collective mm. and and have like a space where we can get together and work on mm. stuff. But we never, you know, we never really thought back then we're going to make a studio. It was more just, let's mm-hmm. just have a platform where we can get together and, yeah, you know, make some fun projects. Mm-hmm. That was it. What about you? Did you know you wanted to make a studio or did you think let's just make a collective and see where it takes us? Um, that's a good question. I mean, we, we talked about this in, in second year um, when we went to the RCA. Mm. To, it, we definitely knew that we wanted to work together. Um, we didn't know that it's going to be a studio. That happened a bit later. Um, that happened just right before the pandemic. Oh, no, it happened like right after the pandemic started. Um, I mean, we were talking about you know, working in a space together and maybe 
not only working commercially but also thinking okay how can you how can you show animation and the whole process and how it works to mm. to an audience so we were thinking of maybe could could animation exist in a i don't know in a museum space so we had all yeah. sorts of like um ideas uh, and then obviously because because of the pandemic that um, never really worked out, maybe in the future. <laughs> Especially that yeah. bit. It's like, can it be in any space? Yeah. Not right now. No. <laughs> Only on the screen. Not, yeah, not at the moment. No, oh. we can't really have an, like a live audience. Um, but, bec- but because both of us were really interested in, um, you know, animated documentaries and stuff and really interested in, in research, research and the idea and also like thinking of of ways how an animator and a director can also be involved in in the concept and in the idea a lot more um the idea of like an animation an animator being also a a thinker in a way mm. um that was something we were really um passionate about and we just love research and you know finding out about things we don't know mm. um so so that's that's how how it started so we had that in the back of our heads and then obviously the pandemic started and then we were like you know what let's 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 set up a studio i don't actually know who suggested that same as you i can't even remember anymore but we yeah we set up an instagram account and everything and then we're like okay what what should we do now because we're there we didn't really have a project um, I mean, we worked on, on, on commercial projects before together, we directed it together, but not, we didn't have a name or something, yeah. but then we just suddenly decided, okay, let's, let's come up with a name. Um, and then we opened up, you know, an uh, in Instagram account and a website and everything nice. and, and, you know, did all the boring bits you have to do like um registering your company and company yeah. house and all. <laughs> all the fun stuff, all the fun stuff. <laughs> and and then we decided to okay let's 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 do something together something fun and we said okay why not open this up why not you know uh ask other people to collaborate with us mm. on like a massive project because it seemed like at the time that there was not much work going on and everything was quite negative and you know everybody was quite depressed everybody had to work at home and we're like okay do some let's do something fun so we we started this passion project called flatten the curve uh-huh. where we um you know asked animators um it was basically an open call where we asked lots of people to collaborate with us to make a, this like film together um and we are uh, we said like um if you want to participate, you can, um, and you can submit a 10 second long clip. I think it was portraying something. It sounds really cheesy now, but portraying <laughs> something really, something positive that came from the whole pandemic, something sure. good that happened. And I don't think it's cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it turned out to be like a really great project because oh. so many people submitted um a clip i think like 120 we received 120 clips in the end from people all over the world all over the planet um and it was just very overwhelming and looking back it was it's really good because people started 
you know, um, sharing our work on Instagram. And it was like from a marketing perspective, quite um, good because yes. people were sharing, you know, their work and, and tagging Studio Desk. And then all of a sudden people knew us as, as Studio Desk. And so, yeah, for us, it was actually looking back, really good timing that we started it in the pandemic. Amazing. How, <laughs> yeah. did, you, how did you put the idea out? Like, obviously, because, you know, you were not, maybe, you know, you had just started it. Mm -hmm. So how did you push your idea for this film out? Where did you promote it to get all these submissions? Yeah. So it wasn't Instagram. It was just like a story post. Mm -hmm. um, and we did it on our, I mean, pe people kind of knew our work, like other people knew us individually, Emily, and also me i guess also because you know we graduated from the ica and both of our films were doing well at festivals yeah, well. i think Back that was the <laughs> <laughs> i mean that definitely helped yeah. um so we were posting it like in our stories as well okay. but also then on studio desk instagram um page and we also reached out to a couple of animators we liked and we initially thought nobody would be interested anyway so we didn't really have a restriction we didn't we didn't say okay we're going to select you know work uh we said everybody's welcome <laughs> which was actually really insane in the end because it took ages to edit everything and to make it work as a whole film. But it was really great because, you know, people who, people who were already really established in the industry submitted their films, but also students. So it was this great diversity. Um, and it's, it somehow worked. I mean, sound design really helped as well to bring it together. But yeah, it was really great. And also, I'm we, really embarrassed I haven't watched the film. <laughs> <laughs> it's a serious action. No, we, we, we ended up making three films because otherwise because it would be like what 15 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, okay. it would have been too long. So we ended up making three films. And um, yeah, we still collaborate with people um, from, from that time or from uh, with people who took part in that collaboration so very wise choice actually very wise choice of timing and then exposure yeah and creating contacts for people that you can now collaborate yeah so looking back it was it was a good timing as well and also i don't know it was the same for you but when the pandemic started in the beginning there was not much going on but then all of a sudden there was so much work in animation yes, yes there was in yeah. the beginning i think yeah. the whole world stopped and you know we stopped with it <laughs> i remember i remember just you know sitting around just feeling really uncomfortable of like oh what are we supposed to do um and then yeah then there was a huge wave of work i think because live action was not you know yeah. possible to film mm. so everyone turned into animation so it got i think it got overwhelming for our industry because yeah. there was suddenly a lot of work and not only was there a lot of work, but there was a lot of unstable work. So there was briefs coming in and disappearing and coming in and disappearing. And as the rules of the pandemic were changing, as the rule of masks were changing or the COVID restrictions, the briefs were changing. So it was just like a mess. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So we saw a lot of things that came and then and then disappeared. Yeah. Um, I mean, that... That was also in itself a form of education, mm -hmm. you know, of 
because you can get quite attached I think to a project or the prospect of a project mm. and I think it almost taught us that you know you you just have to be <laughs> a bit more like nonchalant about things yeah. you know mm. and it's not don't points you know what are they do they call all your eggs in one basket and don't get too excited sometimes about a certain project just just keep kind of yeah keep calm and look at the overview of mm-hmm. things um because things are you know we're just so unstable yeah, that's um so I think yeah I think in a way it was frustrating but it was also an education of mm-hmm. okay you know let's let's just let's just relax and see what happens mm-hmm. instead of be too hands on on mm-hmm. on some things was that different before the pandemic I mean because I in our studio started right after the pandemic so we don't have that experience of you know how things worked before sure so <laughs> I wonder is 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 that you was that different before so when briefs came in because it's always like oftentimes happening you have to pitch yeah. you know for a project um yeah the the stability of the projects definitely changed yeah. so you would always see briefs that come in mm. and maybe in the end they say actually the client or the agency has mm. changed their approach but you know maybe would happen i don't know I'm just trying to think now. <laughs> Maybe it would happen once every two weeks and in the pandemic you would see 10 a week like that, you know, mm-hmm. of like constantly things disappearing and it's just, you just became a bit cynical about it. You're like, okay, fine, next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, you could definitely tell the difference. Is, is that what you do a lot still, like pitching for projects? Um, we try, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. We do pitch, but we... You know, as a lot of people in the industry, I'm sure we'll agree, we we disagree with pitching. And yeah. a lot of times you really don't see the point of it. You know, you know what we do. You come to us. Mm-hmm. We've got proof on our website, thankfully, of like loads of different styles. You know, we can do something very graphic. We can do something very hand-drawn. We can do 3D. We can do narrative. We can do more abstract. So... It's quite unfair, I think, when people come and they want to see a pitch, um, especially when it's something that maybe is not, say, super well paid. You think, well, you know, if you like my work and I agree to do this for this budget, for example, just, you know, just accept it. Um, Generally, we try to just do more like a schedule and financial pitch. So like a bid, say, look, we can do it for this budget and we can do it for this amount of time and this is send some references of what we would like to do because you know to do a good pitch it takes so much time it takes like a few of you from the studio away for a ser- for certain days then pitches over the years have become more and more complicated it used to be that maybe you send a couple of style frames now when we pitch sometimes Yeah, when we really want the job and we'll pitch properly, we'll send style frames, we'll board the whole project, sometimes even the cutdowns, we'll do animation tests, you know, we'll propose music, like composers or sound designers to work with. So like the amount of work that goes on a pitch is like sometimes like a week's worth of everyone's time. Mm. There's a lot of back and forth between our producers and our agents about you know, the cost of everything. 
And if you think how much that costs, <laughs> it's incredible. Mm. So we try to avoid pitching, but sometimes it's unavoidable, especially mm. if you really, really want the, the yeah. job. I mean, that's really great to hear because I hate it so much. <laughs> I think it's really, really unfair. And it's quite refreshing to hear that you try to avoid it because it, it almost seems like when you go into this into the industry yeah. especially just starting out it seems like something you you have to do people expect that from you yes. and i guess if you're not so well established yet there is oftentimes no way around it and as you said it costs mm. so much time and oftentimes clients they want to see the basically the full film they yes. want to see like their their the narrative like like the animatic and everything so oh, what tricky, isn't it? I mean it is tricky but you, what you'll find is that you know the more experience you have also the more confidence you grow and I completely relate to feeling the need to obviously and there is the need so objectively to pitch more in the beginning but you'll get to a stage where I think you can afford to say no And usually what we do with certain projects, it's like, okay, we'll say no because we don't want to pitch. We don't think it's necessary. If they don't go with us, fine, you know, but it's not maybe it's, we're not dying to get this job. So let's just go with what feels right for us. And if they don't choose us, whatever. And there's actually been times where I think they appreciate the fact that you have confidence and you say, look, I can do the job, you know, I don't want to pitch. This is what I propose. And some people will like that. I'm like, okay, actually you're, you know, thanks for being honest and be, sure, let's do this. Usually, as I said, big companies would want the pitch because they're used to the system and that's how it works. But sometimes putting your foot down and and showing them that you're confident about it can actually be good mm. and as you yeah. said you know they know your work they know that you can't do it because you know they just need to look exactly. at, at your web or they have a look at your website and see that you know you are able to to do it at the end of the day a lot of it is about the financial aspect of it mm. and we've seen you know like whether whether you can do it for their deadline you know how much money you're going to charge for it mm. and we've also seen times where We've lost a pitch to someone and then they went with them because of their creative proposal. But then throughout the process, they, they like the client, changed their creative proposal completely to something, you know, uh -huh. completely different to what they had pitched uh -huh. in the first place. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter which company they would have gone for, um, you know, whoever they just hired someone to basically execute mm. <laughs> their idea. Yeah. So a lot of times we take things personally as in, oh, we lost to that studio. But at the end of the day, maybe it was nothing to do with mm. your work or their work. It is just literally who presented maybe a financial schedule or, you know, mm -hmm. a, a schedule that fitted more mm -hmm. their needs And it's luck, really. It's, mm. it's, it's whether there was someone that day that liked a specific thing or related to a specific thing. So yeah. it's something also you learn in the process mm. to not, think, not take things too personally. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And mean, just let it go. Yeah, you have to. Otherwise, you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're going to go insane. Yeah, you're going to go insane. You can't really take things personally, especially when you work in 
com in the commercial world i mean yeah i guess you have to accept <laughs> that <laughs> and and how do you work um like with with the other two when it dan comes to directing dave. yeah with dan and dave so we do everything collaboratively mm. uh it's so funny because like since we started when was it 2010 we've never stopped that mm -hmm. so it, there's been times where we had to split a bit between projects but usually we all do everything together mm -hmm. like we have a way we found this way of working that that works for us and we like and even when we split and say we've got i don't know multiple projects in the studio naturally one of us will overlook one of them a bit more but we will always come together at least twice a week and look at the projects together and mm -hmm. give our opinion um even if say if you know i don't know dan is leading a project i will always have a look at it um and give my opinion and vice versa but to be honest with you i'd say 90% of the times mm -hmm. we are all directing together yeah. Um, we're all together always in the in the idea generation process and in the storyboarding process and then we get into our roles a bit more mm -hmm. of like okay you do the designs you do the character designs you do the background designs mm -hmm. we do more like the boarding and animatic um, but we all come together for the dailies like for the reviews mm -hmm. and look at the work together and what's nice which I'm sure you will feel as well mm -hmm. is that obviously every person pays attention to different details yeah. so it's really good to have multiple eyes on mm -hmm. it <laughs> because someone will pick up on the mm -hmm. shadows someone mm -hmm. will pick up on the performance or and yeah and i think yeah. that makes that makes the work stronger yeah that's interesting that you say that because that's something a lot of people always ask us as well like how how do you divide the work <laughs> and for us it's similar we work on everything together yeah. um even I mean, you divide, um, divide, you said, the character designs and the designs and everything. We, we don't really do that. We even design together. Yeah. Um, we somehow also found a way that it happened quite naturally that, yeah, we found a way and it works and we don't really think about it. And when people ask us, how do you work together? I really have to think. <laughs> um, because, yeah, as similar um, what you said, we, we storyboard together, we come up with the idea together. And then also, I mean, we div divide sections when it comes to the storyboard, but then also mm. we would always come together and give each other feedback and see, okay, if it, if it, if it is actually working as a, as a whole. And, and your, I mean, your styles are incredibly compatible as well, like your drawing style. Yeah. Uh, I guess it really helps as well that you went to the same universities, you had the same teachers, the same projects. So, yeah. yeah. I think it... We we mix it now. <laughs> we 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 somehow mixed. Um, I guess it's a bit uh, different to to you because you you do loads of different styles. But I think mm -hmm. we have a quite a distinctive style, which can be like a disadvantage. <laughs> also, sometimes an advantage because people come to us because they want that really specific visual language. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. that's that's something. That's actually a good subject which I wanted to touch upon, that this is something that evolves. I think mm -hmm. when we came out of uni, we definitely had maybe more of a specific style, mm -hmm. you know, combining everything we did together. And that was like, oh, that's the moth, maybe style, that, mm -hmm. you know. But then I think very naturally, 
you know, we have to evolve. Mm-hmm. So someone might get more of an interest in this in a specific technique, another person another, and that's how you start actually mm-hmm. evolving more styles as yeah. a studio. Um, but it's something I've been struggling a lot with, mm-hmm. I think, internally, you know. Sometimes I think I look at my work or at our work and I think, oh, we used to do this and we don't do this anymore. Should we be doing mm-hmm. the same thing, you know? And then I think this year I thought, no, it's okay. Like I've evolved as a person from 10 years ago, so mm-hmm. it's normal that the way I draw has evolved. Mm-hmm. And also think... I don't know what you think, but I really feel that the medium also informs the the style. So mm-hmm. I draw, when I draw into, in my sketchbooks, I draw in a very specific way mm-hmm. because I also have the resistance of that pencil that allows me to do, mm-hmm. you know, maybe more confident lines yeah. like uh, and more abstract things. But when it comes to the Cintiq, because it's more slippery, mm-hmm. <laughs> my style is a bit more fluid yeah. um, and round, you know, mm-hmm. it's not so angular. And mm-hmm. I've really tried sometimes to replicate the style and I just couldn't. And I thought, work. okay, maybe, maybe I don't have to. Maybe just like, mm-hmm. you know, wherever I draw, it's just going to be different. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's something I definitely get frustrated about because when I look at my sketchbook, I'm like, oh, I oh. wish I can do the same thing digitally but it just doesn't translate well if that makes sense um do you do you draw on paper first or do you start um when you work on on commercial projects do you would you draw with your Cintiq yeah I think I would start straight yeah. away in the Cintiq yeah. what I do on paper is usually the thumb boards mm-hmm. so my initial idea sometimes to just visualize some shots and how they would mm-hmm. work or the angles I might just do like really quick sketches on a piece of mm-hmm. paper um, but yeah I usually start straight away and I don't use sketchbooks that much anymore mm-hmm. I use sketchbooks now when I go away mm-hmm. when I go on holiday yeah I think I have this need to see something that attracts my attention yeah. because I've been in London for so long. Mm. I never really see something where I think I really want to draw this. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's so true. Mm-hmm. And yeah, mm. and that was also something that was depressing me. I was like, why yeah. don't I draw in sketchbooks anymore? And then this summer, I had enough of London, and I thought I just need, mm-hmm. I need to get out of here. I need some sunshine. I need to feel closer to kind of my culture. And I went to live in Barcelona for oh. 40 days. <laughs> and I was drawing every day. Yes. I was drawing every day. And I, and I, I needed to draw, yeah. you know. And I thought, okay, it hasn't died. Uh-huh. I just needed a change of scene. Yeah, and also, you know, when you are working commercially and you you have deadlines and you're like, oh, I need to finish this, I need to finish yeah. that, you don't really feel feel so inspired anymore and you also don't have the time and 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 the you know free time to reflect and think and observe the world uh, exactly. i oftentimes feel like so sometimes you have to take a break and go away um there's i don't know do you know the uh, graphic designer uh, stefan sagmeister no, he's a he's an austrian graphic designer but he's like if if you study uh, graphic design, you probably know him because he's really well established. Yeah, know maybe you know. Um, he he takes a break every seven years for one year. Oh my God! No, I do know him. No way! Yeah, 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 yeah. I do know this guy because yeah. I was reading on his website because I was fascinated with his concept. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> 
and I think like oh gosh I wish I could do that as well because in this year he just works on things he wants to work on like with no pressure and he yeah and then in this year he comes up with the, the best ideas because he just is in the right you know mindset yes exactly and there's no pressure no deadlines and you can do whatever you want to do basically and I think this is a really good idea if you can afford to do that <laughs> I think I, I think I even talked to the guys about this I was like guys I read this really interesting thing we should do this like we should shut the studio for yeah. a year because he has a studio doesn't he yes exactly. uh, and Walsh. yes but exactly. he stopped now so it's only and Walsh anymore he's not a partner uh. anymore yeah but they used to do that as a studio. They used to shut down yeah, the for a year. Yeah. Whole year. Yeah. It's incredible. I <laughs> yeah. love it. And, 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 you know, seven years is a classic cycle mm-hmm. in life in mm-hmm. general. Like they said, every seven... Well, your, your skin, your hair renews every seven years. So yeah. it's kind of like a cycle mm-hmm. that ends and you need to take a break to start the new one. Mm. You, you keep your passion, right? Because you you're doing something i mean with with if you're working in the creative industry you go and study i don't know animation illustration graphics and because you are like full of passion and you're like so full of energy and you want to do this and want to do that and you're really excited about things but then you start working and then you like you you like have to be really careful that you don't overwork yourself and that passion can slowly like die a little bit yes. so sometimes you really need that break again to remember okay, I really love this. Uh, exactly. And then you can go back and, and be really excited again. Absolutely. Yeah. But we, it's, it's funny, like as a society where um, we value... I mean, it's really changing, I think, now. But generally, we value working, like constantly working so much and not taking breaks. I even tried to install like a four-day week into so the studio so we would have more time to you know do the do other things that that, Mm. you know kind of inspire us um and it was in in a way it worked when it wasn't very busy but when things got busy then it got a bit tricky so yeah that would be so great if if that would work (laughs) i mean i think it's yeah you're right it's it used to be like such a trendy thing to say i'm like a workaholic and stuff like that and i think it's really dangerous to glamorize you know, we're overworking and not taking breaks. Um, yeah, I think you have to be really careful and, and you need um, to be strict yeah. with yourself as well, you know, because Absolutely. I tend to, you know, don't take lunch breaks, especially when I work on my own in my flat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not good. I think you have to, I think Emily's a lot better with sticking to, you know, now we need to take a break and now it's six or seven, we need to stop working. Um, that's great yeah that's another reason why it's so good to work yeah. with someone so yeah. you can have yeah Definitely. you can you can one person can look after the other uh for times like this mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah definitely mm. do you do you you said you're working on on several projects at the same time sometimes i guess yes yeah, yeah sometimes we mm. do at the moment we're just working on one which is quite nice like before mm. christmas to not kill yourself mm-hmm. um but yeah sometimes i suppose you have to it could it could be also what happens is i mean we try to schedule it in a way um we try to schedule it in a way that things were not overlap too much but what happens sometimes is that you commit to a job 
and then you know you win the pitch you get assigned the job and then say there's a delay and then when they decide to start it you're starting the next job and Mm -hmm. and that's how things might overlap Mm -hmm. in times like that I mean we always hire freelancers to help Mm -hmm. us with projects and that's also something you will develop over time kind Mm -hmm. of the wisdom of what to take you know what mm. jobs do you actually take what do you say no to mm. and hire enough people so that you never get to this desperate stage mm. of i need to stay late and order pizza and <laughs> you know we do this so rarely now where mm. we stay late and uh, you know we have to buy food for everyone and when i do it i feel like i feel very guilty i don't mm. like doing that but it was a thing that used to be huge in the animation industry it was almost like a given that you're going to stay late especially yeah. in specific studios but mm. i think that your generation <laughs> is much better mm. at you know at not doing that i think yeah i think your generation has put many more boundaries in a way and you guys have mm. a healthier relationship with work yeah i think it's 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 a decision you have to make in the beginning and i think you have to be really strict to avoid that, um, to not, you know, overwork and burn out. Because um, in our case especially, I mean, we are not working at Studio Desk um, full-time at the moment. We both have part-time jobs individually. I think that's also important to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for instance, teach um, part-time. Sure. And Emily is also working. Where do you teach? Uh, at the University for Creative Arts. Yeah, UCA. Yeah, nice. UCA. Which, uh, which, which one? They have loads. In Can- <laughs> yeah, they have um, in Canterbury. Oh, that's um, where I studied. No way. Yeah. You studied in Canterbury. I did my foundation course Oh, there. really? That's and so funny. It was like the best year of my life. Yeah. The best and most difficult year of my life. Yeah. Why was it? Why was it the best and the most difficult year? Uh, okay, so it was the best year because um, well, I was eight, I was seventeen, no, eighteen. I was eighteen, and it was the first year I left home. Mm-hmm. Um, You're from? I'm from Athens, Athens Greece. Yeah. So I'm half Greek, half Italian, and I grew up in Greece. And I read something actually in one of your posts today on Instagram about um, Austria mm-hmm. and how you feel like you've got two homes. Yeah. Like London is where you can express your creativity and Austria is where you can go back and relax because of the slower pace. Yes. <laughs> and I can completely relate to that because for me, you know, I had to, I had to leave Greece to be creative, to, mm-hmm. to even, you know see creativity Mm -hmm. because I grew up in an environment that was very academic Mm -hmm. um, and where I felt like I couldn't do art so coming to England for me was this like spark Mm -hmm. of life you know (laughs) I was suddenly in a new place different culture different language I was in art school. Mm. I was literally told every day I can do whatever, I can draw whatever, I can draw every day, you know, for me it was amazing. So (laughs) I just felt so alive and Mm. I felt I was, you know, discovering who I am really because Mm. all these years I was not allowed really to Mm. be 100% me. And obviously for everyone, those years are very transformative. Yeah. So I was really happy and you know making friends from all over the world Mm -hmm. um 
but you know it was also tough it was tough to go from a city where you go out to eat at 11 p.m and go clubbing (laughs) to canterbury where the pubs closed at 9 or 10 p.m and uh it was quite a shock Mm -hmm. um and also the cultural change for me was Mm -hmm. was, it still is a shock for me so Yeah, yeah especially back then but I was extremely happy in, in at this university. Mm. And it was the, my teacher there. The, we were... So you know how... Well, back then at least, um, at Christmas you had to choose which direction you wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. And I chose communication. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, I don't remember exactly the name of it. Uh, communication design. Visual communication. Visual communication. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> and then... Um, my teacher there said to me at the end of the year when you had to apply to universities, he said, you are going to study in Kingston and then you're going to do a master's at the RCA. No way. Like he just paved my path and oh, I was yeah. like, okay, cool, I'll do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, I can completely relate what you just said. I mean, it was the same for me. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Because I come from, a, I mean, I grew up in a very tiny, very conservative uh little village like i mean it's it's beautiful there it's like very picturesque i mean if you have watched the sound of music this is basically <laughs> where i'm from but you know no one in my family did anything creative i mean my mom is actually quite creative but you know there was just nobody did it so it was you know as as a young girl sure. um it's really it, re- i think representation is so important because if you don't see it that people do that you can't really imagine yourself doing it. So I never really knew that, like, oh, you could actually work as an illustrator. That's that's a possibility. That's a or job. you could <laughs> you could you could work as a director. I mean, I didn't I didn't know, yeah. and it was before so social media. You know, it's it's different now like for for young girls. I'm sure. Um, so yeah, it was it was the same. I came to London. I did my foundation at Kingston, and it was like, wow, this is crazy you know yes. all, all of a sudden you're surrounded by people who have similar interests and you know and I had this pre like I had this idea of, of what an illustrator is kind of and I thought oh you had to draw in a very specific certain way you have to draw mm. really super realistic you know landscapes and, and characters and, and shading <laughs> and everything and at a Kingston yeah. as you know it's very bold you can do whatever you wanted to you know could blind blind that? drawing and everything I'm gonna go back and, for a week yeah, <laughs> yeah she's just like draw with charcoal yeah, walls. do whatever and I was like I can't imagine like how can you how can you actually make money with this is that possible but then yeah I think mm-hmm. it's just sometimes you have to be lucky to meet the right people and to meet the right tutors who see something in you yeah. um and I remember I was um, my tutor, she was... Because I never really drew before. Um, I started on foundation. No yeah, and she yeah. was like, Catherine, you, you need to go. You need to study illustration. Because I was so sure that I wanted to study graphic design because this is what I did before I was working. So wait, she was designer. your tutor in Austria? No, sorry, in, 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 in Kingston. Oh, in Kingston. On foundation, foundation yeah. Okay. And she was like, you should really go and study no she was basically saying like you need to study illustration I'm like no but i'm not i'm not good at drawing she's like no you have to do it <laughs> and then i did and i really yeah i loved it 
Yeah. What took you to England though and Kingston? So how did That's you, a very good question. <laughs> um, so I so I when I did my A levels in Austria, mm-hmm. I was 19 and then I applied to study graphic design at the university in in Austria in Salzburg and I didn't get in. I didn't get in. My portfolio was really bad, and my the interview. I was just. I mean, I remember. I panicked. I remember, um, the teacher asked me like, "What was the last exhibition you have seen?" And I was just blanked. I was Aww. like, oh, I can't remember." Oh, I, I did. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is so bad." So I, yeah, I didn't get in. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, what am I gonna do now?" Because I didn't really have a plan B, and I. But then I went to to the UK because I always wanted to go abroad, mm-hmm. and I worked as an au pair in in England for three months, <laughs> um, and I really liked it then. And I went back, and then I, I actually worked for this newspaper for four or five years before I applied again. <laughs> and so I was working as a graphic designer, and then I said, and I, it wasn't it wasn't very creative. You were just, mm-hmm. you know, designing really boring print ads for for local companies so it wasn't very you know creative yeah. uh, and then I I really wanted to go abroad again I guess um, and I really because I really liked London I was just like googling like what are good universities in in the UK and I remember Kingston came up and Central mm-hmm. St Martins came exactly. up exactly and then I applied yeah and then I applied to Central St Martins in Kingston and also I applied to I sent my work again and applied again for the same course in Austria. This time I actually got in. <laughs> um, and then I also got into Kingston. And I can't remember now if I got into Central St. Martins, but for some reason I decided to go to Kingston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, yeah, I really liked it there. Good vibes. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And you, a bit of what we were saying before, that when you're interested in a university, you start researching. Mm-hmm. And then you see who graduated from there. Yeah. And I think that informs a lot your choice. You think, yeah. okay, the people who graduated from this uni have been doing this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they have this style a yeah. bit. And then you can choose a little bit mm-hmm. maybe where you want to be. Yeah. I mean, that's really definitely... Helpful. I looked at, the, that looked at the people who graduated and I could see myself doing the same things. And, yeah, why, why did you decide to, to go to the UK? Um, I actually didn't want to go to the UK. I wanted to go to France. Okay. Um, but when I was researching for universities, I couldn't find much information online mm-hmm. about their schools. Like the websites of the universities were just not great. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I went to the French Institute to ask for information and they didn't really help me. Mm-hmm. And then I went to the British Institute and they were super helpful. They gave me like, you know, like all the, what are they called? Like all the leaflets for all the universities. A lot of the universities had like very good websites explaining exactly the core structure. So I just remember that when I was, like I had never even been to England in my life, but, and I wanted to go to France because I went to a French school. So I was much more comfortable Mm -hmm. with the language. And... And then, yeah, I just found the process of looking into English education so much more easy. Mm-hmm. And I suppose then, and my parents really pushed it. They were like, go mm-hmm. to England, 
you know mm. they're usually like quite open-minded about art and mm. uh, a lot of actually greek students would go to england to study mm-hmm. uh, back then it was like quite a thing we had my cousin had studied there and i was really into bands back then mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like into bands and i was like yeah, i want to go to england and listen yeah, to go to all the concerts <laughs> And that's how I did it, but I had never been before. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect, you know. <laughs> All I knew about England was, you know, the the backgrounds I would see in music videos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had, I had no idea. Yeah, then I I understand why it was a bit of a of a shock as well compared to it coming from Greece yeah, then to Canterbury, which is <laughs> oh quite small as well. But I mean, it's a nice city with definitely a contrast <laughs> i remember i remember being shocked because there wasn't a ballet school i cried i was like oh, where am i gonna do ballet there's no there's no yeah but there was no i, I couldn't find a ballet school oh, really i was really upset interesting <laughs> i never thought about that is that not a thing in the uk um, no, no there was i don't i couldn't find one in canterbury oh, back okay. then because it's such a small town yeah. maybe they didn't i don't know but they didn't have one back then but i remember being quite upset mm. <laughs> quite upset about it yeah but such a coincidence that you went to yeah, to, to canterbury i actually teach ma visual communication i don't even yeah. teach animation no. ma visual communication so they have an ma in in canterbury yeah okay yeah it's fairly new it's just running for i think five years where so how many days a week or a month do you do that Two days a week. Two days a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you will go, and these are like two full days, mm-hmm. and then the other three days you work on, on studio work. Yes. How do you find, um, how do you find that? To have to have two, you know, to to split yeah. your week into two different occupations. It definitely is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's I like the contrast. I like the contrast of not always only you know working on your own work, but also looking at the students' work, which is actually quite inspiring as well. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So I really, I just really like. You know, working with students, giving feedback, giving workshops, being with people. Um, so that's that's I really I really like. Um, it definitely is a challenge sometimes when you work on 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 bigger projects to to balance that. But the good thing is that we never work on several projects at at once we always work on one project okay and emily and i we basically make so she's 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 having a part-time job i'm having a part-time job and basically together we're one director if that makes sense so i think that's yeah that's that's quite good and also it's a bit of a stability to be honest i mean i think we could work at studio desk full-time but I mean, it's still, I mean, it's, we have both, you know, just started a studio desk. So it's definitely was a bit of a security, security of for us. Yeah. And I think actually what you're doing is makes you then literally just take the projects that you really want to do, which yeah. is perfect. Mm-hmm. It means you can be very picky about what you take yeah. and build a portfolio of work mm-hmm. that you're really interested in instead yeah. of work that you need to take to mm-hmm. keep going, you know, financially. Yeah, definitely. So that's a very good mm. model of working. Mm. Yeah. There was actually one question. Um, I think, yeah, I think that would be quite interesting to, to talk about, I think, is 
yeah, more of an initial ideas, core values of your collective and how that changed. Sure. I don't think our values changed. <laughs> Actually, um, when we started, we were freelancing, right? So Dan and I were freelancing. Dave was a director at Studio AK and Moth is something we had on the side. So the projects we were picking were literally just projects that we were we wanted to mm-hmm. to do for a creative output. So they were you know, low budget projects that were a good opportunity for us to make something pretty and to direct something to, um, to kind of like build our skills. And then when we decided to do it full time, so the reason we switched full time is because we got to a stage where we started to, to have a lot of work mm-hmm. and we thought, okay, we don't have time while we freelance to do this. So maybe we should stop freelancing to start doing it. But it also maybe coincided to a point with a point that I would mention before where we were freelancing and we're thinking, ah, if we directed this, we would have done it differently. Mm-hmm. You know, we wish we could have just directed it ourselves. So I think it got to that point where we're like, okay, we want to direct more, um, work is coming in and we have no time to do it. Let's just stop freelancing and do it. So of course, back then, maybe we were just looking at doing, you know, charity things like very environmental things then when you start running a studio you know you have to survive (laughs) and if you want to employ more people you can't keep making films for you know uh, charities and the school of life or you know you need to start taking work that is a bit more commercial but we definitely still have certain clients that we're like we wouldn't want to work for those Mm. clients um not clients, sorry. There's definitely organizations or themes that we don't want to touch upon with our work. Um, and I think what I like about us is that we, we, we still really care and we have really big discussions when we choose whether to do a project or not. We've been in this meeting room sometimes for like three hours debating what to do with a project that came in because maybe creatively would be great. It would give us great exposure, mm-hmm. but we're against ethically we're mm-hmm. against the client you know and and you know what do we do so i really like that we still care so much yeah. to to take the time mm-hmm. to do that um and we really really think i think we have a really good balance of okay yes we could do this project because it would be interesting creatively but it is going to kill us and it's going to compromise our weekends you know, are we still at an age mm. where we want to be working all the time and get ill? No, we're not. We're at an age where, you know, we value our mm. boundaries and our rest time mm. and our weekends. So I think we really value like work-life balance. So maybe that's what's changed, actually. That's a good question. Maybe mm. in the beginning... And that's normal, you know, you just want to work, you just want to create a portfolio. So you're like, let's do this, let's do this, let's do that. So and now you get to a stage where you, you know, you respect maybe your mental and physical health more. So you're a bit wiser on how you pick projects and what you do. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's very good. I mean, it's it's always, I mean, that's what we do as well. We always have a discussion as well and we wouldn't do we wouldn't create work for a company we don't, you know, like or, you know, who has completely different 
values so we would definitely do that as well but also that being said is we, we can do that because we also have part-time jobs so yes. we have a bit of a security so yeah but I think that's a, a decision every studio has to make mm. when they start out I think it's important to have that discussion in the beginning yeah it's very it's mm. very very important it's actually it's a core thing you mm. know to to get aligned on on what yeah what do you stand for mm. not only in terms of work but in terms of yeah of lifestyle you mm. know of how you want to run a studio or of how you want to talk to people what values you have in general mm. um and there's something else i wanted to tell you oh yeah 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 so i remember actually getting really upset at some point because a few people said to me some people were freelancing here and we went out for lunch or whatever and they said yeah you know what happened to moth you know you guys used to do this kind of films and now you know you've hired me to do facebook work mm -hmm. and i got really upset but then i thought well you know yes we are doing facebook work but if we mm -hmm. didn't have facebook work we wouldn't be able to afford this studio and to hire you and you know you have to make certain decisions sometimes about like okay what do i what am i comfortable with what yeah. am i not yeah and you know what i really believe in you know using or creating work that is really commercial like for instance facebook and that can be really powerful to actually create change because you reach so many people right so yeah. you can make a really conscious decision of how you're going to design these characters mm. um how you might want to show like diversity i mean this is something that is quite important to us as well to show really diverse characters um and if you have clients like facebook you also reach like a big big audience and you actually have quite a big influence Yes, and also, you know, there's something to be said about working with big companies and mm. the professionalism that comes with it and yeah. how much you learn through working with them in meetings. You know, you learn a lot actually about leading and yeah. you can take that then into your studio, mm. you know, and, and, and the way you, you know, you you manage the people that you hire so i think that's something to be said about you know being freelance versus being mm -hmm. a studio that i feel that sometimes freelancers can make an assumption or some judgments about you know mm -hmm. how studios are run but when you're at this end yeah you're like well <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of things you have to take into consideration mm -hmm. and it's not their fault but uh, unless you're in a studio you wouldn't know yeah. how many things you have to think about mm -hmm. how many things you have to balance and that mm -hmm. sometimes you take decisions because mm -hmm. you know actually to make people happy like mm -hmm. it might not be obvious but you know yeah. for you to afford to have a lovely space for them or yeah. to give them the extra holidays mm. and to entertain them or whatever yeah, you need to take certain true. decisions mm. how do you how do you get work would um, people contact you directly or is this coming through because you also are represented by, by Monet in, in, the, in America though in America. but not, not in the UK no just in the States yeah. so um, actually predominantly yeah Hornet brings us if it's US work it's almost no okay so us works does mainly come from hornet we also get contacted directly but if we get contacted directly we bring it to hornet obviously it always has to pass through them 
and then uh, we see UK work. I wouldn't really say we see any work from Europe very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think maybe Europe has its, you know, its own, mm-hmm. its own kind of market. But yeah, yeah, we don't really see. We used to see maybe some work from Germany, but like in the beginning. But now, yeah. not really. Or when we have seen work, say from I don't know Greece. You know, obviously the budgets are so different that we haven't been able to mm-hmm. to make it work. So yeah, I would say representation has really helped us. And that is also one of the defining moments where we started taking on bigger work. Mm-hmm. It felt like we couldn't reach those clients. Maybe now we could, but at the time, like we couldn't mm-hmm. reach, you know, the Facebook and the Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hornet really helped us yeah. with that. So they, they did help our growth. Yeah. And, and you? Um, I mean, same. We don't really see much work coming from outside the UK in terms of like the European market. Mm. We uh, get work from, you know, the States. Uh, but then also predominantly from from the UK, funnily, mm-hmm. um, even though you know you also have the like, connection to Greece and I have the connection to Austria. But I mean, the, I mean Austria is a very small, small um, <laughs> country anyway. But yeah, I mean we are also um, represented by Jelly, so we would get some work from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the clients so far, they all contacted us as a studio directly. It's actually the first project we're working on at the moment now that came through through Jelly. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's something that's also um, important to um, say maybe is that it doesn't mean that you, you're always busy with work just because um, you work with a production company. Uh, you're represented. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's something we talked about before the yeah. podcast. And yeah, that there's this there's this idea that, you know, if you get represented, you've made it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's not like that. Oh, we were represented before Hornet. We were represented by another production company and they never gave us any work. And not only they never gave us any work, they didn't even know who we were. Like they just, they, they forgot about us. <laughs> it was It was actually hilarious. So that didn't mean anything, you know. Yeah. We were just doing the work ourselves. <laughs> I forgot about you. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Apparently, someone called. Someone called and asked for us, and the person in reception were like, "Moth? Who's Moth?" <laughs> they didn't even know. Oh, we wow. were. Oh, we still we still laugh about it. It's amazing. Like we were so unimportant to them that they like didn't even know who we were. Um, but another thing I wanted to touch actually upon, which weaves well into this conversation now, is the social media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was looking, for example, at your account and I was like, this is great. You can track, you know, you can track your work mm-hmm. down to your studies. Whereas, you know, we didn't have Instagram. I sound like an ancient person now, but, you know, I am. And um, we didn't have Instagram. And so to us, it was also, I don't know, sometimes it's this identity kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, we started Instagram to share pictures. And now now I look at it and I'm like, should I be having a different Instagram for the pictures and a different for the work? And, you know, and, um, and I think to us, it's still... 
like if I put something out there, I'm so anxious about it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to put this illustration. What if it fails? What if no one likes it? How many likes has it got? Mm. Because I, because still for me to post something out there is a big thing. Mm. But, you know, your generation kind of grew with it. So for you, maybe it's not as important to post something. For you, it's maybe like quite, I don't know how to say it more like an everyday thing so yeah no, I, you're I mean, used to kind of documenting your work more and um i mean you and you know the people in your course yeah i know i'm i mean i mean i feel exactly the same <laughs> 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 i mean i'm 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 always very worried about posting things yeah. and you know it, it's this it's this weird thing isn't it that you post stuff and then you're like Oh, what if this? What if people think it's bad? And also, I'm very aware that my my work changed. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that your work changed. Yeah, yeah, it changed a lot. Um, and and then sometimes I look back and I'm really nostalgic. And sometimes I'm like, oh, should I maybe do more more of that again? Yeah, you know, should yeah, I yeah. draw more? Uh, should I sketch more? Should I? Because I really fell in love with uh, reportage illustration. You know, mm. going around and just you know drawing. And which was a huge Kingston thing. Yeah, a well. huge Kingston thing, a huge influence. And, you know, that, that I really sometimes miss. But I started doing it again. I do it now because I'm, you know, commuting to uni twice a day. Uh, twice a day, <laughs> twice a week. <laughs> twice a week, <laughs> that would be insane. Um, and I, I started drawing again and I, I really love it. But I don't don't post it. It's mm. I feel like it's something personal to me that I don't want to share with the world. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like a diary, quite personal. So I don't don't really share that. But that being said, I think it really helps to post stuff at studio desk because it really helps me to detach myself from it. So that's studio mm-hmm. desk, and that's not me. That's a brand. That's my work, and that doesn't feel so personal because so many people worked on this. It's not only me. Whereas when I post something on my personal account, I'm a lot. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm worried sometimes. And oh, it's it's tricky, isn't it? Social media. I mean, on the other hand side, it's really good because that's for us. I mean, it helped us dramatically to, you know, put ourselves out there and to get jobs and we flattened the curve. It was just. A really powerful tool for us you know to tell the world this is us and yeah. you know this is our work hire us <laughs> and it actually worked but then on the other hand side you're like you constantly I mean everybody knows this you're constantly comparing yourself and you you see that other people are working on something all the time and you're mm-hmm. like oh maybe I should maybe I should do I should do more like this or more like that um so it's this yeah I did that did that add um yeah it's 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 good to hear it's good to hear it it's interesting to hear it because i didn't know again if that's just us you know that got instagram later or if it's you as well but did that add so did that add stress in your studies in a way that not only do you have to do a project and submit it and everything but you also document it on social media all the time. Um, not when I was a student, I think, no, because mm. no many people, you know, I didn't have many followers. I just, you know, didn't <laughs> think that anybody would see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just did it for myself as a way to, to document my work, I guess. And it was at the time Instagram wasn't 
that big yet sure. you know not many people were on I mean I used it to post my work but I, I guess it was less worried about it now uh, compared to to nowadays mm-hmm. um, but I guess it, it's it's really good to to kind of see it as this is part of your job this is part of what you need to do to to advertise and to post um, your work because this is where people you know see your work mm-hmm. so helping seeing it as as something you do it's something that is you know part of your job I think helps a little bit but yeah sometimes I'm definitely feeling anxious about it and you know constantly checking you know (laughs) and I really wish sometimes I you know like lately especially I'm like I don't need I don't feel the need Mm. as you said I don't feel the need to share this with the world you know I have a sketchbook from this summer that I love but I don't feel the need to share it. It's it's my personal thing. And it's this huge conflict of, should do I have to share it? Should I be sharing it? Because people expect, people are thinking maybe, where is Margot's work? You know, she runs a studio. What does she do? Does she do anything? So there's this feeling of, oh, I should be showing people I'm still drawing. And there's this conflicting feeling of, no, it's my drawings and I don't want to share it with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Do you um, have somebody doing your social media um, for Morph or is it you doing it? It's us, yeah. yeah. So we had, at some point, we had an extra producer and then uh, Renata Garcia and Renata was doing our Instagram. Mm. Um, uh, but now it's now it's us. And it's true, like, mm. I don't keep it consistent. You know, I might post a lot for two weeks and then not. <laughs> But that's also because that obviously shows like it's not so ingrained in me that mm. I would have to make a conscious effort to be like, okay, now mm. it's a Monday, I have to post, it's a Wednesday, I have to post. Yeah. yeah. But that's, you know, again, it's a question like, should you be posting every week or should you just like be na- natural and respect your flow? And mm. if you have nothing to post, you don't force posting something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a time when I, when I, posted work every single day and it was just no you you know because then you're forced to it it really it it really stresses you and I don't think no I don't think and I don't think people do that anymore anyway I remember a time when um people in my course they were posting every single day and that you know obviously puts pressure on you but I don't I don't use it that much anymore Instagram I mean once a week we probably post something on yeah. a studio desk but I don't use my personal Instagram so much anymore I mean I post something like once every every month <laughs> or every two months now um, because I just don't want to I don't I don't know I feel the need yeah. to post it and I think I think honestly it doesn't really make a difference <laughs> I mean it's yeah. it's important that I think that we post work on at studio desk mm-hmm. but I feel like my I mean my personal Instagram I post only work I don't post anything you know mm-hmm. persons I don't post photos did you not have Instagram when you were a student no we no. didn't have Instagram we had Tumblr uh, yeah. yeah, we had Tumblr and we had um, Vimeo was big, like was yeah. getting big when we graduated. Mm. And that was actually the platform that we used to put our work together. Mm. So Dave, Dan and I put all, all our work on Vimeo mm. 
So, you know, it, it was it was called Moth Collective or whatever. Mm. And it had six films in it instead mm. of one or two, you know? And, and, and then there was a few people, like freelancers as well, animators around the world. Mm. And I don't know, that's kind of how we connected. We started being friends on Vimeo and commenting mm. on each other's stuff. So it maybe it was the Instagram of the time. And now I don't hardly like go on Vimeo, but back mm. then... I no, think it's, it's still important. Like we we noticed that we get jobs if we get staff picks, so people would reach out to us. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Of course, I think yeah. the staff picks is definitely a shortcut yeah. into seeing what is out there, and yeah. like it's 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 helpful. It's yeah. very helpful, and we do. We had the same. We had if we got staff picked, we were so happy. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, open a champagne bottle. Yeah, such a big thing. <laughs> yeah, So suppose, yeah, so we were talking as well at some point before how about how animation has become quite mm. female mm. dominated, actually, especially the courses, the animation courses, they're just filled with women now, mm-hmm. which is a great thing to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, because, we, you know, we mm. were always wondering where are the women and now there's a lot of them, which is mm. great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was just wondering how it was to how it is to mm-hmm. run a studio with another woman yeah. and also when you when you girls hire people to work with you mm-hmm. um what's you know what do you tend to hire or mm-hmm. or is it is it is it just talent based or do you make like a conscious decision with mm-hmm. who you hire as well so okay so when we were students at kingston i mean one thing we, we noticed in our third year, I mean, we were, I think, 60 students or 70 students, something like that. I can't remember the exact number anymore. But w- mostly women. I think we had five guys in our year. Um, same at DRCA, finally, we were uh, 25 women and, and a couple of guys. So it, it was very Amazing. much a uh, female-dominated year, our year, for some reason. But then we when we started... Poor guys. guys. Yeah. <laughs> Did they form a little group? (laughs) Yeah. Really intimidated by us. (laughs) Yeah, God, terrifying. (laughs) Like so much power. (laughs) But the the odd thing was, uh, in third year of Kingston, I remember remember that when we 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 went to a lot of studios because Mm. um, our year like the tutors organized studio visits. It was quite surprising because we we never really thought about it before that mm-hmm. there is a lack of, of female directors in the industry. And at that time, there definitely was a massive lack. And we were like, where are all the women? Because mm-hmm. there were so many women in our in year. Class, but yeah. it seems like, yeah, the studios, the, the production companies, they didn't really represent a lot of females. Mm-hmm. There were a couple and then there were like, animation duos where we, you had a guy mm. and, and a woman. Very true. Yeah. Especially from the French schools. <laughs> there mm. was a lot of... Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of duos from the mm. French schools. <laughs> and so so we went there and, I mean, obviously, we, we didn't feel very <laughs> represented and I think representation uh, really matters. Um, and so we were like, oh, why? What is what is happening? And then in in the second year in the RCA, we actually decided to make a film about 
women in the industry we started <laughs> interviewing loads of females you know we were trying to find out you know what, what is happening why where are all the women basically and we we figured out that a lot of women ended up um, being producers yes. or being like independent animators like mm. um, animators like Lucy Hobbs for instance yes. and we didn't really understand that so I think that was sort of the first moment when we were like okay yes let's just make our own studio you know um yeah. and so that's that's what we decided and we naturally ended up working with a lot of women because we made friends with with our colleagues at uni and most of them were women <laughs> so we still work with with a lot of um women we met you know um along the way and i mean we we really like we really like that and we definitely think it is important to you know hire women or you know if we if we don't have time to do this job we recommend you know other like female friends but mm. that being said we don't we're not only working with you of know course. female yeah. females we also work with um fred who's amazing we also met him at the rca um but i do think it is important um to you know um, higher women and also it is important to have more females in directing being directors or being yes. represented by students and I think that is definitely changing now so Absolutely. I can definitely Absolutely. see a positive change yeah. yeah it's I think I think in like three years it will be almost like the other way around there mm. will be mm. maybe more female directors yeah yeah there's there's so many now and a lot of them are getting signed now mm. like this year so many female mm -hmm. designers and animators I know and I follow are being mm -hmm. represented and it's yeah. it's really good to see the change. It is, yeah. And I mean, I think there is oftentimes this concept or it used to be, I think is definitely changing now that there is only place for one, you know, woman. Yeah. Um, and I think that's such a stupid thing um yeah i think that's unfair yeah <laughs> I mean, it's 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 yeah. often i mean, i always remember that that picture of, of margaret fetcher like being the women in the middle being surrounded by a lot of men it's like this concept <laughs> this concept of like this this you know uh, being a princess and there's only one princess and then there's not mm. enough room for other women which which i think is just so stupid because you know there's just so much place for diversity and I think that's something we should celebrate yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah what, what about you did you uh, I guess it wasn't a conscious decision to work with you know two no and actually maybe it was the other way around yeah. you know my course was male dominated Aww. so again it's not a conscious decision but it's maybe like and I remember freelancing I remember when I was freelancing most of my friends were male mm -hmm. because that's what there was around mm -hmm. you know it was quite there wasn't that many girls freelancing mm -hmm. um and i i i just automatically i mean you know symptomatically mm -hmm. had more male friends and i remember some friends of mine pointing that out mm -hmm. from uni from found so the foundation calls they're like margo like you've got so many male friends you know and and they even said they're like yeah you've got a very male energy okay like the way you dress now or the way you talk like the vocabulary you use like it's changed okay and my mother pointed that out to me as well and when you're in it you can't tell mm -hmm. i was like what do you mean they're like you really you know 
you feel a bit more like a bloke in, in a lot of ways and or just the ideas you have or I mean, you know, talking about how you dress obviously mm-hmm. is, is quite maybe superficial, but I kind of now looking back know what they mean. Mm-hmm. Or I remember feeling several times like I just want to go home and have a cup of tea or, you know, I want to go to the pub, but I don't want to stay for three hours and I don't want to have five pints. And maybe I felt like I had to do it because I was mm-hmm. with the boys and they were doing it. Yeah. Um, and... I remember, you know, and I adore the guys. They're like my family and I love them. But I do remember hiring Jen mm-hmm. and then Renata and feeling a bit more like, okay, <laughs> like just feeling a bit mm. more at home that, mm. I don't know, there was something about, yeah, the energy in the room yeah, definitely that, that changed or the mm. things we like to talk about or... Hey, can you help me with this? Or, yeah. you know, we could. I felt. I felt like I could talk about certain subjects mm-hmm. more freely. Yeah. Um, I mean that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, and I really, and I think now I've kept that energy mm-hmm. with the boys. I'm like, I want to talk about this, and I'm going to talk about it, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to think, oh, are they going to be interested in it, or is this, you know, am I sharing too much? Mm-hmm. I just want to be myself, and mm-hmm. then. You know, they'll just have to deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of the times, also, you realize that they are happy to hear about certain things. It's just that we also make some assumptions yeah. about gender that mm-hmm. is not true. Um, it is tr- yeah, it yeah. is so true. And I think it's sometimes a bit, you know, dangerous to, to try to put people in boxes just because of, you know, their gender. To see. I mean, we naturally do it all the time, right? Exactly. Because that's how, that's how our brain is wired to make sense of the world, too you know put people in boxes but yeah I think I mean the whole concept of of, you know gender is you know the construct in reality isn't it Um, and I think I think it's like things have changed so much even during the past five years that you know I think people have become and men have become much more sensitive to a lot of things and much more open to things that maybe before they're you know we society was not talking about so I don't feel at least in our industry maybe and people our age mm-hmm. I think there isn't that massive differentiation uh, yeah. or gap between us I feel like mm-hmm. I don't know people are yeah. so kind as well yeah. <laughs> it's just good I mean at the end of the day you just want to work with people who are kind right and who yeah. are nice and you want to have a good time and I mean that's something we have experienced with um, especially unfortunately with with male directors you know who were quite patronizing and saying oh so you're directing now oh good for you and you know giving yeah. us like oh god oh, strange <laughs> strange advice and you know yeah. with just like massive egos and i think that's something you, you just don't want to work with you exactly. know these people they make it easier for you to be picky you're like great one more person i don't want to work with yeah exactly <laughs> let's find the nice ones yeah so I think you you just want to have a good time, you know, because that's you spend so much time at work and you want to surround yourself with with good people. Um, I think that's Absolutely. yeah very important. And that's something also to remember about clients actually and about yeah. what your work you take in. You know, sometimes you might be working on a project that is not you know the most creative or the most mm. inspiring or whatever, but 
it makes such a difference if they're nice and you get on those client calls three times a week mm-hmm. and they're nice people they're kind yeah. people they give you useful mm-hmm. feedback and they help you grow mm-hmm. you know you get a lot out of it in terms of education mm-hmm. and that's something to acknowledge that you know it's we're not always going to be working on the best projects all that you can't do it all the time mm. but let's just enjoy kindness and acknowledge mm-hmm. that working with a nice team of people is so important and yeah. nice freelancers and nice producers like it just mm. it, it, it help you know mm. it adds so much quality to your yeah, week definitely and i mean generally speaking i feel like the animation industry in in the uk is very tiny it's quite small so people yeah. know each other and Generally speaking, I feel it is a very friendly industry. Yeah, um, very supportive. Supportive, yeah. And so if you aren't nice, if you have a you know, big ego, I think you have to be a bit careful because people talk and know each other. And um, yeah, so you, you naturally you know, have to, to be nice, I think. Um, I remember someone recently, I was at a dance event mm-hmm. and... Um, someone said to me like oh there's so many of like you're an animator as well there's so many animators doing this dance you know and i said um yeah actually there's a lot of us i think a lot of animators uh, especially they do swing and uh, you know there's a lot of but there was a lot of animators doing this specific dance I'm doing and and they said yeah you people are so nice every time I meet an animator they're such nice people <laughs> and I said yeah that's true I think that's one of our features like we're just quiet yeah that's good yeah that's good. Good, good reputation we have a good reputation in society <laughs> yeah that's great yeah well, I think it's a nice subject to, 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 to wrap up. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was so nice to talk to you. Yeah. And actually, I feel like you gave me a lot of... Because it's so funny. Cause it's, so for, for you people listening, so for you to know, it's a Wednesday evening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's at the end of our work day. And I remember at the end of a few hours ago saying to the guys, oh God, I'm so tired. I don't know how I'm going to do this podcast. I'm falling asleep. But I feel like you gave me so much energy, <laughs> like positivity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really great talking to you and also like get your insight of how things changed for you. It's quite impressive to see that, you know, you're like in here now, considering how you started as a collective, yeah. you know, tiny, and then you... We have walls and a meeting yeah. room and a coffee machine. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, that's... And a TV that I can't switch on. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so thank much. You. I think we should keep talking. Thank you for listening to this episode from our series of conversations with women in the UK animation industry. This is our first podcast, so we hope it will be helpful. We look forward to hearing your feedback. We'll be recording a Q&A after the release of this episode, so please write in if you have any questions you'd like our speakers to answer. Our email is shidrithat.animation at gmail.com. We're really looking forward to reading your questions. Stay tuned for our Q&A, and from everyone at Shidri That, thank you for listening.